we're talking about it. This good news, this good news in four letters. We started the first letter in Galatians and we're seeking to understand the gospel. And here's reality. And, and we keep putting this up and I hope that this is burning into your brain. The gospel you believe determines the life that you live. Everybody in this room believes a gospel. Everybody you know believes a gospel. The word gospel means good news. So everyone you know believes something is true and right and they're basing their identity on it. They're basing their purpose on it. It's why they get up and go in the morning. It's their good news. It's their gospel. But there is one gospel that is the biblical gospel. And here's the definition that the scripture gives us. The gospel is the power of God to save us from the punishment and power of sin. So we have peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. In this series, we're seeking to, to, to understand how we are to experience the good news. Experiencing the good news, this experience, there's three parts. We've talked about this. Again, I remind you to experience something is to have your head, your heart, and your hands engaged. This is not a mental activity. This is not sentimentality. It's not emotionalism. It's not legalism. It's not just something you go out and do. It is, it is believing and being transformed from the heart to go out and live what is true. The Apostle Paul was writing to the churches at Galatia. It was several churches in that region. He was writing to because there was confusion about what the true gospel is. And there was a big debate that was going on. We read about that in Acts chapter 15. Paul, having suffered much to make the gospel known to these Galatians, he wrote to them and he was pretty upset with them, as you'll see in the text and the verses we'll be studying today. And, and he wanted to make clear there's one true gospel and the false gospel that they were believing was not true it was, and it was not good. It was not good news. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Galatians chapter three. If you didn't bring a copy of the scriptures, there's one in the pew in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, take that with you. That's our gift to you. We want everyone to have God's word. Feel free to use your electronic devices. I am. I find it very helpful to, to keep me focused. And, and feel free to take pictures of any of the notes that will be on the screen. It is, a, it is, it is in no way a, a, a distraction to me. Uh, in the last service, a person stood up with their phone and was taking a picture. And I thought for a minute, here, here's how I go out. It's a gun. Here we go. And so uh, that person was not tackled or shot. And neither was I. So I figured it was the phone. And it was. And uh, they were asked not to do that. So you can take the picture. Just don't. Just don't stand up. It scares everybody, all right? So you're in Galatians chapter 3. Let me catch you up. So verses chapter 1, verse 1 through 9, uh, basically Paul expressed his concern that these, chief, that these churches were, um, they were basically deserting Jesus' grace. So uh, verse 10, chapter 1 through 2, 10, long section, he shares his own testimony. It's a narrative of his experiences with Jesus and, and their experiences that he shared with them. And he's corrected them, same way he did uh, Peter and Barnabas in verses 11 through 14. And that was pretty stiff. Then he explained the doctrine of justification. And that's what we saw last week and how he experienced justification and, and how it, it creates a different life. Now today, today we're, we're going to study, we're going to lean into experiencing faith. Everyone has faith. Everyone has faith. The question is, what gospel do you have faith in? Remember, the gospel you believe determines the life that you live. And I want to kind of give you a picture. See, and I put this on the screen. Faith is like a key that opens the door of the gospel you believe. Faith is like a key 
that opens the door of the gospel you believe. And so it's, it's kind of interesting. A lot of people carry keys around their, their neck. Some leave them hanging out. I, think I, I would do well. I lose my keys a lot. And so something like this is maybe helpful. But you've been given a lot of keys. Some of you have been given a key to someone's heart. Some of you have been given a key to someone's thoughts. Some of you have been given a, a key to someone's life. You've been given a real important key. It's got all kinds of tricks. And it does really cool things. And it's a key of faith that's been given to you by God. And this key of faith is an extremely important key that God has given to you. And you must choose what door you're going to put your key of faith in. It's a gospel that you believe. But there's only one true gospel that's been revealed in the Bible. And you've got to choose whether you're going to trust in that gospel. You're going to put your key into that door, the door of the gospel, and enter in and receive all the blessings that come through that door. There are other doors. Some of you today, you are pursuing them. You, you are, you're going to make that decision. And here's what you need to understand about our culture right now. Our culture is saying, hey, it doesn't matter what door you choose. As long as you choose a door, just live by faith. And so tonight, you're probably going to hear some athletes uh, talk about their faith in God in this, in this season of award shows, you're going to have people that have sung very carnal things talk about their faith in God. And, and again, everyone has faith. Everyone's putting their faith in a gospel door. The question I would ask you to wrestle with this morning is where are you placing your faith? Where are you putting the key of your faith and in what door? And what is happening as you're doing that? Our text is going to help us a lot to understand what happens when we are we are experiencing faith in the gospel of God. Hopefully by now you've got your Bibles open. You're in Galatians chapter three. Let's stand together. Anna's gonna come and read for us verses seven through nine. So let's all stand together in honor of God's word. This is the middle section of what we're gonna study today. Hits to the heart of it. Anna, read that for us. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture for saying that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, And you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. Thank you, sweet Anne. If you would, go ahead and be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. So um, when I was 12, there was an older man that, that lived next door to us, and he uh, invited me to, to mow, his, mow his yard as kind of a, a job. And, and, uh, and so I did. I took our lawnmower uh, that, that we, we bought um, from Kmart. Um, we sometimes went to Walmart, you know, but we never went to Target with those rich people. You know, we didn't have Target money. You know, we went to... Kmart, you know, and if you don't know what a blue light special is, Google, Google it and know you've missed a, a big part of, of, of the blessings of the American economy. And, and then just move on. There's no getting that back. It's gone. It's just let it, let it be, let it go on. So we, we were somewhat poor. And so we were using my mower and he watched me mow, which was a lot of pressure, by the way, having an, an older man watch you mow. And afterward, I could tell he was not at all pleased. And so I figured he's going to give me my five bucks and fire me, which I understood. I, I, got, I understood how this, how the life worked. Instead, he handed me five bucks and a key. And he said, come with me. And he took me to his shed. And he said, open up that lock. And I took the key and I opened up the lock. He said, go in there. And we walked in. He said, all right, this is the mower you're going to use from now on. <laughs> and here's the weed eater you're going to use. He said, I noticed you did not weed eat. I don't know what that is. And so he had to kind of explain it to me. So the next week, 
we get there, I get there, and so I go in, and there's all the stuff. He said I could have, I could use all the tools, whatever. So I get his uh, mower, but I've never used a self-propelling mower. That meant, to me, it's just heavier. I didn't really know what the deal was. And so after watching me a few minutes, he came over, very patient man. He said, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. I'm just pushing something here. He said, look, and he engaged this thing. The thing started moving by itself. I was impressed. Afterward, I started weed eating. He came and really stopped me there. It, that, that was a dangerous tool in my hand and so patient. He showed me how to weed eat. And I'm telling you, it was such a great experience for me because I didn't know what I was doing. And I don't know if this guy was a Christian or not, but he sure reminded me of God the Father. God the Father who gave me a key to the door that opened up for me a whole nother life filled with all kinds of glorious tools. By the way, we'll be studying a lot of those this summer when we get to Ephesians chapter six, these armaments for battle. God the Father has come into my life and believing the gospel has transformed my entire identity. It's given me a whole new purpose and this access to God has, has been the great blessing of my life. This key of faith whereby I, I exercised through putting my faith in the gospel of that door and it opened up to me the kingdom of God, the, the presence of, of Christ raised, the Holy Spirit and the Father guiding me. It has radically changed me. And what happens when you place your faith in Christ Jesus alone in the gospel, you're never the same. There is something that happens to you and there's something that this gospel does. There's four things that I wanna show you that our text reveals to us that faith in the gospel does. First of all, faith in the gospel produces life change. It produces life change. And real quick while you're writing that down, let me just tell you that your life change does not produce the gospel. See, that's what the gospel, the so-called gospel that the Galatian church was wrestling with because they were being told, hey, if, if you'll change the way you're living your life, then you can have salvation in Christ. And that's not the gospel at all. The gospel says, no, 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 put the key of faith in the gospel and then your life will be changed. There will be a life change that, that is produced. And, and so what we see here, this is some pretty firm language don't get your feelings hurt. And, and, and remember, this is biblical. So the words that I'm using are God's. Um, he's, look in verse one. Here's some name calling going on here, all right? Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? If I ever translate the Bible, I'm gonna translate that as, hey, dummy, are you serious? Are, are y'all kidding me? And he's really upset because if you'll see right here, verse one, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, it doesn't mean that they visibly saw Jesus as Paul did, but what it does mean is that they had heard the gospel clearly and Christ portrayed as holy, having died for their sin, raised on the third day and soon returning. And they were now turning from that great savior, this one who has done so much in suffering and dying. 2 Corinthians 5.21 describes what he did. I don't believe that there's a more poignant or powerful presentation of all of scripture of the gospel other than this verse. For our sake, he, God, made him, Jesus, him who knew no sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Christ Jesus took responsibility for our sin and he died 
as a payment for that sin. And that's the good news. So Paul asked, beginning in verse 2, several questions here. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith? The Spirit of God is given by grace, for grace, through faith. And Paul's asking him, did you earn the gift of the Holy Spirit? And the, and the absolute answer, easy answer is no. No, 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 no. It is by the Spirit of God that you believe. It's by the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the Word revealed that, that you are born again to believe, to take that key of faith and to place it into that gospel door. So verse 3, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? What's he saying? He said, are you, are you crazy? Do you think that Jesus Christ came into the world to save you, to leave you on your own, to raise your own, your, yourself in Christ? No. The God that saved you is the God who's going to perfect you. The God who brought you life is going to continue to give you that life and make that life more and more like Christ. When we look at the three circles, and if you're not familiar with this, this is the way we understand the gospel to be exercised. We understand God's design that it's been destroyed by our sin. It's created brokenness. But if we will repent, turn away from self-sufficiency, believe in the gospel, then we will be saved and we will be free to, now notice that, pursue and recover God's design. It is in the pursuit and recovery of God's design that we are empowered by the Spirit of God to do. But here's the thing that a lot of people miss. The closer you get to God, the more conviction for sin you feel. Because although your soul has been redeemed and your life is now in Christ Jesus, you're still in the flesh. And in the flesh, you will always have temptation. And so long as you're in the flesh, you're going to struggle with sin. 1 John 1, 9 and 10 tells us, if you say you don't struggle with sin, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. You are to confess that sin. And here's what happens. And here's how you continue to use the three circles. Is that the closer you get to God, the more you reveal, uh, he reveals sin that's still at work in your life, which causes you re to repent and believe the gospel, not for salvation, but for sanctification. You become more like Jesus. And it's a lifelong it's a lifelong journey, growing closer, seeing sin, seeing the brokenness, repenting, being renewed in the gospel, not for salvation, but sanctification, so that you become more like Jesus. And the more you become like Jesus, the more you hate the fact that there's still sin you, you, and the brokenness. And all your life, all your life, Christian, you're going to battle. And it's not you trying to do something on your own. It's the work of the Spirit of God. All we got to do is keep in step with the Spirit. This is Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. It's like a self-propelling mower. All you got to do is keep in step with it. It's doing all the work. All you got to do is keep up with the Spirit. All I had to do with that mower, it was amazing. I mean, that definitely, that thing was probably from Target. I mean, because it was, it was going. All I had to do is keep in step. And all we have to do is keep in step with the Spirit. All we have to do is walk in obedience to the Word in, in the name of Jesus, to the glory of the Father. So he goes on in verse 4. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? What, what's he saying here? He's saying, did you really come this far to give up? Did you really... <laughs> Have you really experienced this transformation and, and now you're, you're, you're just going to walk away from this gospel door? You're just going to go wandering around in the world looking for another way? You know, uh, there's, there's men and women out there, some I know, who have done all the, the work necessary to earn their doctorate, but they're ABD, all but dissertation. 
They've done everything necessary except the last part of writing and defending their paper. And what has happened is they've given up. Rather than going all the way in on what they've been given, all the money, all the time, they're walking away. And here's what I see many Christians doing today. They've come into Christ Jesus. They've been bought with a price. And yet they're wandering around in the world without hope, without passion, without direction, because they're not keeping in step with the Spirit. They're not walking in obedience to the Father. They're not speaking well of the Son. They're just wandering. And, and it has to have to, you know, you've gone, been through so much. Why are you walking away from this God? Verse five, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Friends, God does not provide miraculously because of our behavior. God provides miraculously because of our faith. It is, it is by believing, it is by trusting in what he has done. Remember when Jesus was on this earth? Do you remember the place where he was able to the least amount of, of, of miraculous work? Do you remember where? Where was it? His home, that's right. And, and look what the Bible says. This is, this is Matthew 13, 58. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. It wasn't their bad behavior, it was their unbelief. They, they weren't living by faith. They were not trusting in the Lord. They, they were not walking in this life change that only faith in the gospel can bring. And what saved Abraham now enables us, enables us to, to experience this life change that God demands in faith in the gospel. And the second thing is that faith in the gospel provides family ties. It, it, it transforms our identity. This is precious to me, beginning in verse seven. Then uh, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. This, this description is very precious to me. And it comes from a promise that was made to Abraham. This is Genesis chapter 12, verses one. I'm sorry, verse three. I'm just gonna do verse three. Uh, he, he said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. When we repent and believe the gospel, we become family members of God. First John chapter three, verse two, beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has, has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. I love it when I get a message from our overseas brothers and they refer to me as brother. Uh, we have a, 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 a saint that was saved here almost 17 years ago. And with her work, she's not a missionary with her work. She's just had to travel all over. And, and currently, I, I think she's in Edinburgh. And so over Christmas, she writes to me, my brother in Bowling Green. And, and, and there's a fam familial connection there. She's my sister. I am her brother. You heard it in the baptism today. Your sister. Now you baptize her as your sister in Christ. There is a family connection that happens by faith in the gospel. And, and, it, and it changes us and it provides something for us. Third thing, write down, faith in the gospel promotes honest assessments. We can see ourselves as we are. We can see things as they are. And this is, this, is, this, is not, this is not good, all right, verse 10, but it's reality. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law or the 
right, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. The, the Bible spells out reality for us. And, and here's reality. It's harsh. We are all born with a sin nature. We're all born with a natural inclination to sin. And every single person in this room has sinned. And the Bible teaches that because of that, we are under a curse. And that curse is the, and I'm going to use this adjective to make sure you understand, under the just wrath of God. It's just. God's wrath is deserved. We cannot keep the commandments of God. And because of that, we're under a curse, which is the judgment of God, the just judgment of God. But there's hope. Let me share the good news. This is Romans chapter three. Many of you know verse 23, but let's, let's look at 21 through 25. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, as the wrath-satisfying one by his blood to be received by faith. The only way we can be made right with God is by faith in the gospel. And it gives us freedom from the curse. You know this one, Romans six twenty three, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The salvation that we gain is through the work of Jesus Christ. So when we look at the three circles and the pictorial form, the gospel is pictured uh, with these wonderful symbols. The, the first symbol is the arrow going down, then the cross, then the arrow going up. And, and what that symbolizes is the gospel. What is the gospel? God came down and dwelled among us and he was one of us. God died on the cross to, to pay the, the just demands uh, of, of what, of what God's, God's holiness required. And on the third day, he was raised. And because Jesus is alive, he can now live in us and we can have life in him. And anyone who takes their key of faith and puts it in the door of the gospel and what Christ has done, there is forgiveness. And, and the propitiation, the just wrath of God is satisfied. And that's the fourth thing. I want to go a little bit deeper. Faith in the gospel propitiates God's wrath. It propitiates it. It's a word you need to be familiar with. I know your NIV speaks of atonement. It's a good word. At one minute, it's a good word. Propitiation speaks more of the direct language of the heaviness of what has happened in the death of Jesus Christ. Look in uh, verse 13 of chapter three. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. For it is written... Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, and Jesus was hung on a tree on the cross. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. And so what we have in Christ is this redemption. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. How does that happen? It's propitiation. Let me give you a definition. You might want to take a picture of this one. This is when I thought I was going to get shot in the first service. And so, again, just a reminder, don't stand up. Propitiation, what is it? Propitiation, satisfying the just demands of God's law by receiving the suffering and pain of the wrath of God. 
God's wrath is not like our wrath. He's not throwing a fit. Tell the truth, you're in church, don't lie in church. How many of you have ever thrown a fit? Bless you. All right, so if you didn't raise your hand, not only did you lie in church, but we know you've thrown a fit and you'll probably throw one now. You need to, come on. I threw a fit once. I, uh, it was before I came to Christ. Um, I, I got suspended for 10 days. Should have been suspended for one. It was 10. And, and when I was told it was 10, <laughs> I was in the living room. How many of you had a living room in your house that no one was allowed to go ever go into the living room? And they put plastic on the, on the, so good. I'm not the only weird one. We were poor. It's from Kmart, but still it was ours. <laughs> when I got that news, I turned in the, I was in the living room. I turned and I put my fist through the wall in the living room. Now, that was my wrath being revealed. And there was no justice in it whatsoever. It was me throwing a fit. When the wrath of God is poured out, it's not him throwing a fit. The wrath of God is justly placed on people who sinned against him. And that's heavy. He is our propitiation. When did it happen? We'll study this more at Easter, but here's how Mark describes what happened in that moment. This is Mark 15, 34. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, say it with me, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he who knew no sin became sin. And the eternal trinity was ruptured as the son of God received upon himself my sin and my shame and your sin and your shame and the sin and the shame of everyone who would ever believe. And in that moment, he who has known nothing but holiness felt sin and the dirtiness and the embarrassment. And the father turned away and he died with that grief and sorrow and pain. And he was placed in a grave. And that penalty was paid in full. And on the third day, he was raised because death could not hold him. And he is now at the right hand of God waiting to return. And because of his victory, there is now good news, the gospel, that, that we can now take our key of faith and we can trust in him and our lives can be changed. Friends, never forget this. The gospel you believe determines the life that you live. Everybody in this room has a key of faith. And everybody in this room and everybody you know is placing it in a door that they think is good news. There is one gospel and it is the fact that Jesus Christ has died to pay the penalty for your sin and has been raised to live as your Lord forever and ever. Now, some of you are putting, you need to take your key out of what door you've had it in. You need to repent of that, turn away from that. And today, you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ alone. We're going to have leaders here that will be happy to talk to you. We're going to sing. If you don't want to do that, after the service, I and some others will be out in the hallway and come talk to us. Now, some of you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, are not honoring our King, and you know it. 
you've opened that door of the gospel by faith, but you've walked away from the kingdom of God in the narrow way and you are walking in sin and you are dishonoring the name and you need to stop that right now. And you need to admit what you've done to him and you need to renew your commitment to him. Now, all of us need help. There's not a person in here who can do this perfectly. We all need help. And so you're welcome again. We're gonna have counselors here at the front. If you wanna wait till after the service, you're welcome to. You you may need to come and talk with them about the help you need to walk faithfully with our King. He is a good King and his gospel is good news. Let's stand together as we pray. Care leaders, if you would come forward. Lord God, we we thank you for this good news and we thank you for the life change that you've brought about and we thank you for satisfying the just demands of the law of God, that you are the propitiation and that we now have life. God, I pray for some today who need to receive that life that they would say, yes, Lord, forgive me. I place my key of faith in this door of the gospel and I ask for entrance into the kingdom of God under your leadership forever and ever. Pray for some who are struggling to walk under your leadership that today they would repent and renew their commitment. And then for any who need help, maybe with a health need, maybe with with something else that's going on in, in their marriage or their family or their life, you're a good king, you're a good Lord, and you've got a plan for everything. So I pray that they would seek not only your help, but the help of those who love them. Jesus, you are the best. And, and, and so we celebrate you for that and sing your praise. In Christ's name, amen. Let's sing, come and pray as you feel led.